So I um I started lifting legs again last week. All right. Not going well. <laughs> Did you get hurt or is it just killing you? Yeah, sore as hell. Oh, well, that's not a bad thing. Well, it's not a bad thing, but it's always like that. You got to get through the first a couple months of being yeah. sore every week. Yeah. Did you like go heavy right out of the gate or are you listening to your body? <laughs> no, I, um, <laughs> well, I went a little heavier today. Last week, yeah. I barely did any weight. Yeah. So I haven't lifted legs probably since my deployment. And it's all because my lovely wife hinted that I was starting to get chicken legs. Which I'm okay. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. What would have happened to you had you made a similar comment to your missus? I wouldn't be here talking to you. <laughs> uh, he gal. No, so she, she, she retracted her statement and said, Oh, I just don't want you to get chicken legs. Oh my lord! I don't want your arms to, and your upper body to get really big, and your and your legs to look small. And I was like Samantha, I caught. I was a catcher for my whole baseball career. Yeah, genetically, that can't happen to you. <laughs> I was like, I, I've had trunks for legs, Samantha. There's right. no freaking way. Thick with a Q is how I would describe David. <laughs> so, so there's yeah, but anyways, naturally, she mentions one time chicken legs. I immediately the next day went to the gym and was like, all right, doing legs. Guess we're doing legs now. Oh God. You're gonna I, blow really, knee. I originally stopped doing legs because my dancer's hip started acting up. Mm-hmm. That old dancer's hip. Got a trick hip. <laughs> <laughs> trick hip. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you've turned the corner and you can see and smell and taste and, you know, no aches, fevers, chills, none of that stuff. And you're, back at it so daddy's back everyone big daddy is back so good evening everyone and welcome back to the barrel brothers podcast this is dave and i'm joined as always by my co-host brian what's going on with you man howdy y'all how's everything oh same old what's uh it's friday happy friday this week we're uh, switching up a little bit. Work got crazy as usual, so um, yeah. Friday it is. Nonetheless, we're still rocking and rolling. Tonight, um, like I just mentioned before, we're going to switch things up a little bit today. Um, I'm going to do a blind tasting with a couple uh, couple pickups. Well, not really pickups, but things that I haven't had before. Yeah, I, I tried to I tried to get you three samples of something I, I was fairly certain you hadn't had. Um, and one of those is new to me that I haven't tried yet. So I'm not going to tell you which uh, one it is. I'm not going to tell you which one it is. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I won't tell you which one it is. Um, (laughs) but yeah, no, I'm excited. We, um, you did this for me, uh, last week, I guess. Um, and I wish we wouldn't have uh, recorded it because that was a pretty cool experience. I ended up going, you know, one for three though, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I nailed that first one, didn't I? <laughs> so, let, yeah, um, I guess two weeks ago, I ordered a, uh, a case of these little sample sample bottles. Anybody in the bourbon community knows what I'm talking about. They're all essentially the same thing. Um, 
but I decided to, we decided to start doing blinds with each other just to try to get our um, tasting notes down per se, and maybe try to correlate different bourbons together. And so I sent Brian, um, it's funny because our wives work at the same place. So we can like, you know, traffic our bourbon that way. Not only allegedly, allegedly <laughs> traffic our bourbon. Don't don't agree. Don't uh don't admit to anything. <laughs> so um, anyways, tonight is my night, and on the menu we have old granddad bonded. I knew I I knew you were gonna put that in there. Mm-hmm. Like I just was expecting that. Uh, we also have Knob Creek Nine Year, and Baker Seven. I have never had any Baker's product before ever, so I'm a little excited about that. I've had Knob Creek Rye, which we've done on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Never had Old Granddad. I think that's why Brian put that in there because for some reason he's like obsessed with it. And who knows? Maybe I will be too tonight. You, you too will see why. That's the uh, that's the beauty of blinds, people. So I'm gonna go ahead and start with the first one. Um, Brian, what you what you got on number bottle bottle number one? What do you mean? Like, tell me about it. Uh, try it. I want to know what you get first. <laughs> I was hoping that you would give me some hints. Hell no. A little hot, but not, I mean, all three we're drinking tonight are is at or above 100 proof. So it's not, they're all relatively hot. It's good. What you getting on the nose? Anything jumping out to you immediately? Nothing really immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the classic vanilla caramel oakiness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're, nothing. You're... Nothing really standing out to me. Okay. Now, granted, people, again, I'm still relatively new to this. So I'm not going to tell you that I get hints of pineapple because I like, that's just not happening. <laughs> yeah, if you can get a citrus fruit or a pineapple out of that, you should have been doing this a long time ago. I should be getting paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody sponsor us. Somebody. So what do you think of it? I'm just going to put this out there. If I end up choosing Old Granddad over all of these, they should sponsor us. Yeah, I'd be in favor of that. So what, anything you, okay, so hang on, let me back up a second while you're tasting again. So your missus got you a really awesome flight set for Christmas. Is that what you're using? Oh yeah. Okay. So is there a color difference in any of the three samples? Are they all about the same color? You did a pretty good job. Um, I think bottle number one, maybe a slight bit lighter than the Mm -hmm. other two, uh, two and three look almost identical. Okay. But I don't know if that's because I've already did, I've already drank some out of the glass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So you've done number one and nothing nothing's grabbed you and said, wow, this is awesome. I'd buy this all the time. I think it's very good. It's I would consider it at this point in the tasting, I would consider it maybe a daily drinker esque okay. type thing. Nice. Nice. Okay. On to That's number good. two. On to number two. All right. All right. This what are you getting there? Number two definitely has a different 
different nose. It's not as sweet on the nose. Okay. It's almost kind of, I don't want to say bland, but it's definitely the flavor profile does not pop out at you with the okay. nose with this one. All right. Light gold color. Well, maybe a golden amber color. Down the hatch. Hmm. What do you think? So I just tried a little bit. It's a little bit, I think I know which one this is. Okay. I'm gonna hold my hold my answers till the very end. It's pretty I don't want to say metallic-y, but I've used metallic-y before to represent bottom shelf. Yeah. I'm thinking this may be old granddad. Um, okay. It's not, it's not bad by any means. It just doesn't pop out at me. There's not a lot of uh, complexity to it. And I think the first one, in my opinion, has more complexity than this one. Okay. I'm so nervous. I'm going to get these wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're doing this is to, to learn. And then hopefully in doing these blinds, it will either help us identify more readily, like what they are, what they compare to. If something comes in at, you know, a top shelf price and we try something different, that's, you know, mid-level and it, it's basically a, what does Michael Scott call it? A smell-alike. <laughs> and it's half price like there you go i mean you can't really go wrong if it's sort of the same mash bill taste nose and it's half the price you can't beat that so i think the difference between one and two so far mm -hmm. and i know the listeners it kind of sucks because they can't see what we're drinking right, um, right, right this right. would this would be a great opportunity to have a video but maybe in the future i don't know uh, the difference between one and two in my opinion they both taste relatively similar um, like i said the complexity is definitely more present in the first one okay i would say the second one tastes like a watered down version of the first one okay like the walmart version the great value version of the first one right i'm trying to get pick up hints off your facial expression you're not well. going to <laughs> you got your poker face on i do i'm ready so right. on to number three on the number three. All right, definitely on the nose, number three. It has a more of an oaky oakiness on the nose than the other two do. As far as the proofs go, I think number one was higher than number two okay so that leads me to believe that number one might be baker's seven and based on the nose and the nose only for number three i think it definitely smells older number three smells older yeah and i'm okay. gonna gotcha. i'm gonna back that up with when i first opened up my bottle of elijah craig 18 year and I had the first pour of it. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy hell, that smells like I'm drinking like, like an oak tree. Right. Like it right. had 
because it's been sitting in a freaking barrel for 18 years. <laughs> right. So just basically, just based on the nose itself, I haven't tried it yet. Number three, um, definitely seems like it may be older than the other, than the other two. Okay. How old is grand old grand at? Do you know? Is it non-age stated? Yeah, I don't think there's an age statement on old granddad. What do you think? That's good. Is it good? Nice. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it's right out of the three that I've tried all three now. Mm-hmm. Out of all three, I don't think any of them are bad. Good. Okay. I would drink all of these. Hmm. So they'd all be daily sippers for you. Yeah. I think number two might be might be a mixer. Number two might be a mixer. Yeah. Is that what you said? Okay. Number three is good though. Those legs, look at that. <laughs> when I say legs, um, it's I don't know the proper terminology for this, Brian. You might you might the viscosity. The viscosity, thank you. Yeah. Um, you can tip the glass when you pour a little bit. Oh and my then... god. <laughs> Saw that. Just dumped it everywhere. Where you found. <laughs> Watch it run down the glass. Yep. I think I'm ready to make my picks. Okay. So what I think I asked you to do was rank in the order of first choice to last choice. Mm -hmm. But if you want to try, let's do that first and give me the names and we'll see if you've matched what I, what, what I said or what I put together. So I think all in all pound for pound. Okay. Number three has been my favorite. Okay. I think the flavor profile, the real, and I'm not like a super oaky person, mm-hmm. but I definitely think that it stood out more than the others. Okay. Um, I think number three is my, my favorite so far. Okay. Number one, the bottle number one comes in second place. Okay. I think number one was a little hot. So that leads me to believe it's a little higher proof than the other ones. Okay. Um, and then number number ball number two, of course, would be my third place. Okay. All right. So, what what names do you think go with which bottles? So I'm gonna stick, with, yeah with which number. I'm gonna stick to my gut. Okay. I think Baker Seven, which is 107 proof. I think that was bottle number one. Okay. I think. Old Granddad Bonded, uh, which is 100 proof, is bottle number two. And then coming up, bottle number three, I think, is the Knob Creek Nine Year. And that's also 100 proof. All right. So you're just let me go over it. So you're saying one is Baker's, two is Old Granddad, and three is Knob Creek Nine Year. That's, yeah, that's what I'm going with. That's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. That's all right. Final answer? Final answer. So you got one of these right. Ah, I really don't want to know which one I got right. <laughs> <laughs> so number two was old granddad. So bottle ah, number so two I was had, old granddad. 
Yeah, that's what. I so had that's Knob what you Creek had. and Baker's mixed. So Knob Creek was number one, and then number three is Baker's. Wow. So that 107 proof was hidden very well. Yep. Yep. And I haven't I'm, had. I'm Baker's truly shocked. Yet. Truly shocked. Right. So I broke that open this morning, this afternoon, and gave you the first pour of it. I haven't. I've never had Baker's, so oh, I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited to try it. So, like we've mentioned on, um, I guess, I guess it was last week we tried the Weller 107. I think was it last week that we did Weller? Two weeks ago? No, it was last week. Okay, yeah, it's it's been a long two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> last week we did the uh, old Weller Antique 107, and I think both Brian and I agreed that it was very smooth for being above a hundred proof. Yeah. I had to, I had to, to turn my story around. I actually, I do enjoy it. I mean, I, I explicitly stated that uh, last week, so I won't harp on that again. I think Baker's is similar. Okay. Now, I don't think that it holds a candle to overall taste of OWA, but yeah. I think the Baker seven in regards to the proof it's hidden very well. I thought the, I thought the Knob Creek nine year uh, was, was Baker's because it was, it just felt like it was a higher proof to me. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Which is what I experienced when you did the blind taste with me uh, last week, you put rare uh, wild Turkey rare breed on there. Mm-hmm. Elijah Craig 18. And there was one other one. I can't remember. It was uh, very old Barton. Very old Barton. Yeah. So I got, um, which one of those did I get right? Burial Barton? Yeah, you got the Barton right. Yeah, and then I had transposed the other two because based on level of heat, I thought uh, Elijah Craig was hotter, but Rare Breed is actually a higher proof, I think. Yeah, Rare Breed is about 116. So it, yeah, it's so up there. Yeah, that's up there. That's up there. Uh, well, speaking of high proof, is this uh, an appropriate time for a sponsor break? Yeah, that's before fine. we get into what we're going to do this week, yeah, we'll take a quick break from and hear a word right. from our sponsors. Let's do it. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So tonight we are, I guess, reviewing. Um, we did a blind tasting just now, but we're actually reviewing the Booker's Pigskin Batch of this year, 2020. Yep, yep. yep. the third release of 2020 from the, from the No family. Yep. This is a, uh, a product of Jim Beam, owned by the Beam Suntory Company. Yep. Uh, the, um, the pigskin batch is 127.3 proof, so it is hot, hot, hot. It's pretty warm. Um, six years, seven months, seven days old. The mash bill on this is uh, 77% corn, so it's pretty, pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. 13% rye and 10% uh, malted barley. Yeah, and it. So I, I have to explain a little bit. I 
I've only ever had Booker's like once or twice before we sort of went down this bourbon journey together. Excuse me. And I didn't really remember it. I remembered it being really hot to drink. And it just wasn't something I was interested in at the time. So I just kind of forgot about it. So I've caught the bug again. Uh, when you were kind enough to pick up a pigskin for me, I was off to the races. Uh, so now I've got pigskin, um, battered biscuits, country ham, kitchen table, Boston batch. And I'm looking at a couple others to pick up too. Cause um, as I've stated previously, I'm a sucker for a story and book or no, um, the original master distiller for bookers is a walking story. I mean, it's the guy is just a larger than life character. And we'll, we'll kind of touch on that um, in a, in a little bit, but yeah. Uh, so the pigskin batch was my reintroduction to bookers. And again, it's the third release uh, from 2020. Um, and I think the last release of 2020, they usually do four one each season, but I'm pretty sure that they only did three. Um, yeah. They, um, they usually, do, they usually yeah, do four batches, uh, four batches a year. But apparently something happened to the fourth batch. User error. I don't, mm. I don't exactly know. Um, maybe you know, Brian. I don't, I don't exactly know what happened, but they had to discard it. Yeah. From, so I've read a couple of things, some of them conflicting and contradicting the others. Um, but when Fred No says something's not ready, you don't ask any more questions. So I think that's kind of where the buck stopped. <laughs> you have to you have to respect that. He's yeah. got a name. He's got a reputation that he, you know, you put a product out. Yep. And and that's I guess why he thinks it's so okay to, to charge what he charges for, <laughs> for the bookers. But um, I do want to touch. I want to touch on that at some point before we yeah. end. <laughs> but um, so I think if 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 he even just hints that something is wrong in a batch, he'll throw it out like it's nothing. Yeah, he's not gonna. And you gotta you gotta respect that because you know you put your name on that. You you want to produce a good product, and you don't want people to get disheartened. You don't want. I think I read something um, about the Beam family. They don't want to have someone taste a batch of Booker's and say, mm, "That's not good," right. and then right. turn them off on it. Yeah. It's kind of hard to be. Well, I think Fred's what seventh generation now. Yeah, Booker No yeah. was sixth. That's a long lineage and bloodline of sort of perfection to, to <laughs> try to wrap it up in a pretty package. Um, but so just a little bit more about this. So in the the display boxes, which are super cool by the way, uh, wooden with the um, plexiglass slide cover. Um, it's got a bottle rest in it that kind of locks the bottle into the display case. Um, and then each batch is released with sort of a, a little note card that goes over the history, um, the proof, the name. Um, and then on the back, it includes the master distiller notes, which I think is kind of cool. I mean, I haven't gotten that far down the rabbit hole yet to know the significance. Uh, I mean, I can only imagine that barrel placement in the rack houses whether it's up high because if it's up high it gets real warm in the winter or in the summer in kentucky it gets real cold in the winter so that would that would most definitely affect um everything about all the characteristics about that particular barrel uh so this one 
Um, there's one, two, three, four, five different warehouses, um, one, two, three different floors, and each of the five barrels are all different percentages from those warehouses. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, they took uh, one, two, three, four, five barrel. Or, yeah, so that it's just, it's so cool. I mean, so the, again, the, the pigskin batch, um, which it's, it's kind of funny how they do this. Some other distillers also release their bourbons in batches yeah. um, and they don't. So you think about Jim Beam, think about just the regular uh, whiskey that they, that they produce. You can buy it anytime, any day, any liquor store across the country, right? With the bookers, it's different. They only release it four times a year in four batches. Usually this year was different. However, so they, they pull um, different percentages, like, was, like Brian was saying, off different barrels, off different floors of different warehouses. Yeah. So they are meticulous about getting, and they, it takes them a long time to go through all those to find the perfect uh, concoction. Yeah. To, to, to bottle them and, and ship out as a batch of bookers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for something that, you know, I, I always preach, try it in its purest form, neat, um, add ice or water to it. You and I have discussed this before that a splash of water in this particular batch changes it completely in a good way. It reduces that proof. It opens up the flavors um it's it's a different finish it's not as hot of course so it's not gonna you know kind of coat your throat and your gums all the way down um so it it's quite the adventure from you know as they advertise uncut and unfiltered to adding <laughs> a little bit of water to it so the the flavors are just intensified as you bring the proof down to me anyway that's that's just my viewpoint so i would if if you've got if you have a taste for heat Try it in its purest form, no water, no ice. Um, and then once you finish that, maybe add a dash of water to it. We usually just do a cap full like of a plastic water bottle. And that um, that really, to me, just opens the entire pour up. What's special about uh, this batch, the pigskin batch of Booker's, is that this is the first time, and I know this probably means nothing to a lot of our listeners, but... This is the first time since 2015 that warehouses X and M are in the same batch. Yeah. So yeah. they pulled, like Brian was saying, from five different warehouses and they labeled them, you know, A to Z. Um, X, M, H, L, and Z are all um, in the pigskin batch. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I had a chance to catch up with Daniel and he said it's rumored that this is like the best release in a while. Um. And so I was reading, I was doing my homework on this. And then a gentleman named Taylor with Malt Review had a really interesting, <laughs> really interesting take on it. It says storied history, but is staring down fierce competition, especially considering quality for price. So you and I have touched on that before, just because something's either old or high proof and it's expensive doesn't mean it's good. Um, so the gentleman goes on to say dead last in 
barrel proof small batch the disparity is clear and absolute in terms but is exacerbated when value for money is taken into consideration agreed yeah so to me that means there's other stuff out there that's barrel proof that's less expensive that's better and i want to know what the hell it is (laughs) (laughs) if you're listening if you know email us dm us comment on something just let us know the now this is my first and only bookers that i've had first one that i've purchased first one that i've even drank so i don't really have another basis to go off of but just being at the point where i am in this bourbon journey i can say that you know and this is msrp what ninety dollars I think 95 with tax out the door. So I can say, in my opinion, this is not worth $9. I think I would like to see this maybe 60, 70. Yeah. If it was in the 50, 60 range, no problem whatsoever. And it actually used to be, you know, Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, it shot up 40 bucks a bottle. And I, I would have to side with some of the other malt review or with some of the other bourbon whiskey reviewers that, I, there's plenty for $90. That's two or three mid range, mid shelf bottles of excellent stuff. Like you can still get a hundred or 107 proof that bottle of Baker's that's 107 proof. It retails for, I think 40 bucks. Wow. And I mean, that was the one that you chose over the other of all the three samples. The Baker's was the one you, you preferred and that's 107 proof. Yeah. I think, um, I just, I just don't, I, I can't spend 90 bucks on this again. No. And I think like you were saying, some of the whiskey reviewers, I, I watch um, on YouTube, these guys called the bourbon junkies sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they, before I had even had bookers, they, I watched them and they were, they were talking about how bookers has over the years, just steadily been increasing their prices, but not the quality to associate with the price. So as again, not a bad, not a bad pour. I think it's it's pretty it's pretty good in my opinion. A little hot for me. I'm not at the point in my game where I can <laughs> pour 127 proof and and act like I'm like a seasoned drinker. It's 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 yeah. too hot for me. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it takes a little bit of time to get over the the heat, and then you can kind of start tasting some of the the notes of it, but. I mean, if you had that little bit of water or a cube to it, it's you really it really comes to life to me anyway. But on now, for me on the nose, just just on the nose specifically, it comes off as hot to me. Just just from the nose, um, you get those classic vanilla caramel notes. But I also got maple syrup. Yep, and it smells to me. You know when you eat pancakes, like pancakes and yes. butter and maple syrup, that yeah. like a plate of pancakes with butter, maple syrup on it. That's what that smells like to me. Yes, but I would, I would drink this on a cold day. Like yeah. if that if it was freezing outside, I mean, yeah, pancake breakfast obviously, but I think the the this pigskin batch is reserved for when it's a little bit chillier out. On the palate, I get a little bit of cinnamon flavor. It's not overpowering. It, okay. I, it's a little bit though. And I think 
the little bit of cinnamon adds to the heat from the 127 proof. Yeah. I, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, I got you. So it's interesting you bring those things up because I get cinnamon raisin cake or cinnamon raisin bread, like a cinnamon raisin rum cake or something like that. Interesting. I don't, I don't know if you, yeah, after I had a sip about two or three minutes ago and it's just kind of lingering on the sides of my tongue. I think the sides of your tongue is where the sweet is, right? Salty's in the middle. Mm. Uh, I can't remember, whatever. Um, if you have an extra nine, <laughs> uh, if you have an extra ninety bucks laying around, or if you've never tried Booker's and you can get your hands on it again in Virginia, it's allocated, so it's impossible to come by. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen any sit on the shelf. Uh, a few years ago, yeah, you could walk in because it was priced pretty expensively then. So, <laughs> yeah. the um, the finish on this is long, but it's not oily. I would say, um, have you ever had a persimmon off of a tree? I think so. Like it sucks all the moisture out of your mouth. <laughs> so I think so it's in, like in a this, dry red wine. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it has a little bit of dryness to it on the finish. It, I, I have in my notes, took the moisture out of my mouth. So that's what I kind of get on it. I don't know if there's anything to that, or maybe I'm. The only person in the world who's ever thought that about this, but it's not oily. And I think last week we mentioned that the OWA hung out in your mouth a while and it was oily. It was pretty good though. It, it was awesome. Yeah, it's delicious. Um, so just, I have a couple quick notes on Booker. Uh, no himself. Uh, somewhere I read regarded him as quote, the virtuoso. Did you ever, did you read any of that? Yeah, the virtuoso. Yeah? Nice. <laughs> Uh, so he introduced Booker's in 1987, year after I was born, um, and coined the phrase small batch to describe his uncut, unfiltered bourbon. Uh, he is the sixth generation master, or sixth generation of the Beam family to make the bourbon or to make bourbon, um, and is referred to as a large man with an even larger character so I, I think booker was a was a big guy six four six five somewhere in there um actually i think on the back of the card it tells you yeah dad and so this is a note from fred no it says dad was a big guy standing six foot four inches tall and close to 300 pounds he was quick for his size and strong from working as a farmhand growing up so he played both tackle and kicker in his high school days yeah so each of the releases each of the batches has a story associated with booker no so Booker was a humongous man, went to University of Kentucky, played football, big guy all around. Uh, football was his favorite, um, or one of his favorite things, which is how they determined or deduced that it would be the pigskin batch. Yeah, 6'4", 300 pounds. That's a big boy. That's a big dude. He should have played college. Yeah, I think I think it, the card uh, says that he went on to play with like the practice squad and stuff like that, but never made a collegiate career out of it. Oh, but yeah, I mean, I I enjoy anything that's got a little bit of history or a story behind it. So, Fred's I guess telling his dad's story after his dad passed a few years ago, which which is kind of cool and it's pretty endearing. Um. Yeah, I mean, imagine... I, I think that's like. Adding on to that, I think that's why he's very quick to throw something out if it doesn't, if it's not up to par. Because he's, you know, the name behind it, but also he's trying to honor his father. Yeah, and you can't, you can't blame the dude for that. I think one of the things I've 
come across as Booker when he retired said, Fred, don't let him mess with my bourbon. <laughs> I, I genuinely, I, I'd have to go back and fact check myself, but I, in one of the articles, it was Fred, don't let him mess with the bourbon or something along those lines. So awesome. So I think all in all, um, I would give it out of our rating scale at this point in time, I would give it 3.1 barrels out of five. Okay. All numbers are for rookies, Brian. <laughs> I, I don't math too good. <laughs> um, I'd be in the, if I'd be in the three out of five barrel range, if it were less expensive, but just yeah. the fact that it's a hundred bucks, I'd probably give it two and a half. Two, two yeah. and a half. I probably would not buy this batch again. No. And I'm not nervous, but I have four more batches that I bought <laughs> that I'm going to try. Are there any of those batches from this year? Uh, 2019, 2019. I don't know. I have to get up and go look. I'm wired in. I'd be interested. I, ha- I have also heard that the pigskin batch of 2020 is the best out of the three that they released. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we mentioned that on a podcast before, but um probably but we, we no. lucked out with the pigskin. When we take our next sponsor break, I'll get up and look and see what the other batches are. Okay. But yeah, I mean if you're a Booker's fan, this is probably this is something that you're kind of used to. Um it, it's it's Fred No's wheelhouse. I mean they take great pride in what they do and who they are. And it, it comes through. Uh, I just, I'd be a bigger fan if it wasn't so damn expensive. <laughs> yeah. Same. Hey guys, this is Dave from the barrel brothers podcast. Are you interested in commentary for the average golfer? If so, head on over to the first T jitters podcast. That's the first Tea Jitters podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Um, we, and I say we, Bar- uh, Barrel Brothers as a collective, have some really interesting and nice pickups to try. That we do. Absolutely. So today, care, care to we share? <laughs> <laughs> today we, uh, my wife and I and my daughter, we rode over to Brian's house, and um, I haven't seen Brian in a while, so he had some things for me. Graciously, uh, gifted me a bottle of Weller Special Reserve and a bottle of Blanton's, which I was not expecting. So thank you very yeah, much, sir. You're most welcome. Uh, but he also, um, we did a little switcheroo today. I picked up, like I mentioned, I think last week, I picked up the Dalmore uh, 12, 12 year. The gift set, the holiday gift set from this with, year. With the glasses or whatever. Yeah. New yeah, Brian, yeah. I was looking for that. So, uh, and he <laughs> had purchased three bottles of the Willet Rye. Four-year family reserve. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? They're priced the same, right? So I was like, let's just do a trade. Um, so he gave me a bottle of the, the Willet four-year family reserve, and I gave him the Dalmore. So now I am looking at the Willet, trying not to open it, like at this very minute. <laughs> Should we just say F it and do it? Yeah. 
Why not? Do it. I want to know what your thoughts are. I'm not. Why not? It's the podcast. Have you tried yours yet? No, not yet. Well, it was like, you know, eleven in the morning when it when it got dropped off. So no, I haven't. <laughs> Obviously, Brian, you're sharing with our listeners that you're not dedicated. If, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> but so while David's uh, going over to the the cart, um, yeah, I kind of went on a, a spree there for a little bit, and it's probably going to get me in a little bit of trouble. But I ended up with uh, four Booker batches. Um, the Baker Seven, uh, the Willet Four-Year Family Rye, Four-Year Family Reserve Rye. I got three of those. Ones with David now. Uh, now the Dalmore Twelve, which is a, a Scotch. Um, oh, and I got a Knob Creek Barrel. So I can't. Well, I can't remember what the the third one is, but there are two more coming, hopefully within the next week. And I think I told you the pinhooks. I think I yeah. told you about those. Okay, yeah. So I'm excited. Um, I've been reading a lot about pinhook. Um, uh, I see the what, what's the uh, that Instagram handle we follow, overpriced bourbon or something like that. Yes. So people are are going out in the wild and finding that. And Virginia doesn't get the distribution, so I'm willing to pay. You know, ooh, fresh cork, cork pop. pop. Um. So I'm willing to pay a few bucks over retail. And uh, the gentleman that I got these from was most gracious um, and even shipped them to me. Uh, I think I paid 45 bucks for each bottle and they retail for 38, 39 or 40. So I'm pretty excited to get those. And I think you have your your eyes set on a couple pin hooks too, right? Yeah, the um, Bohemian, Bohemian, I don't know what it's, I think that's the barrel strength um, bourbon. And then there was a ride on line by Pinhook, but yeah. I just checked and they sold out. So the specific place that I'm purchasing it from sold out. So I'm going to have to switch up and I might do a rye cash drink. I'm not sure yet. Okay. I have been looking at the, uh, the bourbon war five year, but I'm that not familiar, that was a little bit pricier than I w- really wanted to pay. Right. So I think I might hold off on that one, but. I've heard a lot of good things about Pinhook. Yeah. yeah so I'm sure. really eager to try. Um, so I've, I think I mentioned it last week or the week before. Uh, my wife and I had had a conversation about all the bottles that were coming into the house versus the bottles that weren't opened yet. Um, <laughs> and David is snickering because he knows my pain. So I went through and made a list. I've got 60, I think 64 or 65 bottles at this point. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I think eleven of the sixty something are not open, so I'm working on that between the be, between now and the end of February, and I don't think that's unreasonable. That's you know, one a week to try. Um, and what's crazy, actually, she. I'm just going to refer to her as Hannah. I think I've mentioned her name before. It's, um, she said, "Are you not?" drinking these or trying these because they're hard to get or because they're expensive and you can find them and it like rocked me on my heels because i had never thought about it that way before most of them are readily available but they are pricey so you would reserve some of them for maybe a special occasion or something like that uh the johnny walker blue i've had for years three four five years never been opened i don't even think the seal on the box is broken yet so I can get it. It's just damn expensive. So I, 
I mean, it, it, I don't know why it threw me for such a loop, but so I'm, I'm making it a task now to go through and try these. Um, like, so the Booker's Boston Batch I have, the Willet Pot still that you gave me, I need to open that. Um, Hannah got me a bottle of 1812 bourbon from, is that the whiskey from Maryland? The bourbon mm -hmm. from Maryland? Yeah, so I got to try that. Blanton's, I can get wherever. Weller Special Reserve, I've had it. It's not open. Oh, the Angel's Envy. We should do a we should do an Angel's Envy podcast. You still haven't opened up that bottle nope. yet? Nope, not the rye, the regular. Um, and then so the rest of the the bookers that I have, um, our wires got crossed on 1792, so I have the That's <laughs> the right. single barrel to open because I'm a noob. Um, yeah, but you that that single barrel, you got a store pick. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, we've done the George Dickel bottle and bond 11 year. <laughs> I've had it. I have the bottle too. It's just not open because I tried it with you at your place. Um, I got a bottle from someone years ago called filibuster. Yeah. Have you heard that. her? Okay. I, that's unopened. Um, all the Johnny walkers are unopened. Um, and the rest of them. Yeah. So that's just going to be something I'm going to do. Um, I might make some posts about them on the Barrel Brothers podcast Instagram. Uh, probably not. I might, you know, mention some of them during the podcast and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we were able to find the, um, I was I was pumped that I could find the Weller Special Reserve in the Blantons for you. I figured that would be a nice, nice little surprise. Yes, thank you so much. I have, um, I haven't had a bottle of Blantons in a while. It's been a while. Yeah. And I've never had the Special Reserve. So yeah. screw top baby. I'm excited. Hell yeah, man. So I've I have the special reserve as well. So we could do an episode on that. Yeah. I think, I mean, if we're able to be fortunate to come in, in contact with any other of the weather line, I yeah. said let's do it. I just man, the foolproof I'd like to try. Um, what's the orange label? Blue is foolproof. You remember what orange is? Orange is single barrel. I'd like to try the single barrel and then craft your perfect bur I, I'm not into the crowdsourcing bourbon so they can keep the white label. I don't, <laughs> I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just on this kick now of buying new things and, and trying stuff I haven't, I've never had before. Um, and I, should we tell our folks uh, the opportunities that we have coming up in a couple weeks? We'll tease them. We'll tease them. We have yeah. uh, we have some really awesome, exciting things coming up on the podcast. I can tell you what it is now. Um, stay tuned. If you're ever going, if you're a listener and you're on the fence about continuing to listen to our podcast or not, might as well stay for another week. Uh, yeah. We've got some exciting things coming up and I think you guys will not be disappointed. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. This Willet uh, four-year family estate. It's four year, right? Not two years. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the green label. 106.6 proof. Wowzer. Really? That's good. Oh shit. That's good. <laughs> and I think, you know, if you guys have been listening to this podcast since day one. I didn't start out as a, as a rye person. I yeah. Was like the classic sweet bourbon flavor. 
I think I'm a ride person now. Okay. Like, I think yeah. I've, you know, come to the dark side. I think I'm a ride person now. Yeah, I don't have a problem going back and forth and, and you know, trying trying everything. I I do enjoy the ride. That Angel's Envy ride will forever be at the top of my ride list, though. So if anybody that's listening, um, past, present, or future listeners, if you can recommend anything on that Angel's Envy ride level that would blow my, that would just knock my socks off, please let me know. Please let me know. <laughs> Well, uh, the barrel, barrel bourbon has a line. And I think if any of you guys are follow our Instagram page, there's another Instagram page called Virginia or VA bourbon hunter. Mm -hmm. And they did, I think he did like a, a flight night or something with barrel bourbon and they tried one. It's a, it's a barrel finish. Um, I think it had Caribbean rum and something else in it. Mm. So he and he he talked about that and said that he liked that a lot. So um, I think the barrel finishes give complexity, right? Um, like the the Angel's Envy Rye, it just gives a completely crazy flavor profile that you're not expecting. Yeah, that Caribbean rum cask finish, eighteen to twenty, eighteen to twenty four months or something like that in it yeah. to finish it. Yes, please. Glenn Levitt has something similar, and I'd like to try to find it. I saw that. The uh, was it? I think they're. That's also Caribbean rum finish, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested. Well, and that's a that's a Scotch. So it, I'm definitely interested to see what it does to the Scotch. Even the um, the High West Ypikaye line, that rye, um, that's that's uh, finished in vermouth and some other sort of wine cask i thought that was wild too although will it um hand selected white oak barrels four years old uh, and it's bottled at cash strength at 106 that's that's un unbelievably good all right i'm excited so of the three that i got i have one that's 105 proof one that's 106 and then one that's 107 so I have the 105 and the 107s here. So I wonder how if I wonder if there's a significant difference in like you know one, two, or three percent proofing or or whatever it is. Probably not. Not to me anyway. There's no way I'm going to be able to tell the difference. I was listening to Dad's Drinking Bourbon, their latest podcast today, and um, one of the guys, one of the the two guys on the show, John Edwards and Zeke uh, Zeke Taylor, I think is his last name. Zeke was talking, and I think he mentioned today that most people like a proof between 100 and 107. If you're going to drink above 100 proof, I think the 107 is probably the cutoff. Okay. Anything over that, that's when you start getting into really hotter proofs, and it kind of turns some people off. Right. For me personally, I, I kind of would agree with that, and I'm setting the bar with OWA, right? because that tastes like it's 100 proof yeah so i think getting over 107 maybe maybe my cutoff for right now that's an interesting point i'm i'm between the 85 and 100 i don't like to go over 100 so i think larceny is at 92 proof and for 25 bucks that's delicious that's an awesome pour oh yeah uh the old granddad's 100 100 proof um 
Baker that you tried was 107. Yet once you start jumping up over 107, like the 110, 115 range, uh, like that rare breed you gave me, the, the sample, whew, I knew immediately that that was a, an insanely high proof. <laughs> well, I think so. Like anything over 107 that I've tried thus far, mm-hmm. you can say, wow, that's hot. That's over 100 proof. But I think people can get away, distillers can get away with hiding their that above 100 proof in that range. Okay. I I didn't know that Baker's was over 100, like just with the blind tasting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. OWA doesn't taste like it's 107. No. So it's interesting. I don't, I think I'm going to hang out at that level for a while. I don't think I have a bottle right now of Elijah Craig barrel proof that I think is like 128. It's Oof. hard for me to drink, man. I have yeah, to, to I have to open it up with water or ice or something. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever had anything that that higher proof before. That's the the pigskin batches it's doable, but again it would not be my it would definitely not be an everyday. Have you ever wondered if you know you see like a let's just say a bottle of pigskin batch? You look on the bottle and it says 127.3 proof. And you're like, is it really 127 though? Like, do you ever think is the proof accurate that's on the bottle? Um, like, do you, have you ever thought of, if you have ever tasted a bourbon and say, there's no way it's, that's, that's the proof. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I'm, I'm still too new to the Booker's game. I mean, I'm I, just reading the history of the, the Booker's family these guys have it down to the, the hundredth decimal place. Like they, they know for damn sure what they're bottling, what proof they're bottling their stuff at. So it's um, funny. It's funny. Like kind of, there was a reason why I asked that question in my uh, research this week. I went, I went down a crazy rabbit hole, like I normally mm-hmm. will. And we have talked about the consumer side of, of whiskey. We've we talked about the distiller side of whiskey we really haven't talked about the government side of whiskey and the regulation. Okay. What I didn't know, um, the ATF, of course, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, they deal in regulating alcohol sales. Right. However, the uh, Department of Treasury, they have a bureau called the Tax and Trade Bureau. And they, they're the ones that deal with um, the permits and you have to go on there and their website is extremely confusing. So if you're a distiller and you know how to manage their website, kudos to you. Right. Um, but what I didn't know is they, they're the trade and tax bureau. They have the ability to pick any bottle from your selection and test, test the proof. And if the proof is not accurate, they can fine you for it. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow, that's so that makes me le- uh, it makes me believe that the proof is right. <laughs> Could you imagine if you lost your your license to to produce just because you were off? So that so now now I understand why they take it out to the tenth decimal place. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because like 
if there's that much at stake, you're going to want to make sure it's, uh, and there's probably a tolerance, a plus or minus tolerance that they have to fall within like a range. Because so if old granddad, it says it's Bob in bond at hundred proof. If it comes back at like 84. Yeah, that's, that's shitty. That's <laughs> a blatant lie. What's interesting though. I have never seen a bottle of bourbon or whiskey or, or rye or scotch that's above hundred proof that has not been to the 10th decimal. If that makes sense. Yeah. So it's always been 106.7, maybe minus OWA. You know, Booker's is 127.3. Elijah Craig, 100. The one that I got the first time was like 136.1. Oh, which was on like it was crazy hot. How do you drink that? I, <laughs> I powered through about the first half the bottle and then I was like, I can't do this. And I had to add water to it. Oh, man. It like that was that's brutal, and that was like in pretty in. I was pretty new to the bourbon game when I had right. that, right. so I was like, "This is good," and I really like it. Like down down deep, I'm like, "This is not good." I'm gonna die. But I thought that was interesting. So, if, yeah, if you listeners out there, if you ever have a doubt that the proof on the label is not what the actual proof is in the bottle, I would lean on the side that it's correct. Yeah. <laughs> but in case anybody's wondering, the Trade and Tax Bureau website is crazy to navigate. Um, there's a lot to lot to be learned on the regulations for alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have an entire side of their industry dedicated to making sure they're operating within the confines of, you know, the the judicial system because you don't want to be out on your ass for, for not complying and <laughs> lose your license. And I'm sure, you know, on that note, we've talked about new distillers starting up and, and how hard it is and how much money you have to have. And I'm sure the bureaucratic red tape that you have to go through to be able to start your own distillery. Absolutely. And, and the money that it costs probably to get those permits and to get those, um, you know, passive approval by the government i'm sure it costs an arm and leg for no reason so you know, to pay the salary of the people that are actually <laughs> looking at the permit <laughs> so along with that if you uh, this is kind of off topic but I'm, I'm speaking more sort of the permits and the timing and things like that like if you want to get a suppressor you got to get a tax stamp and you know your fingerprints and all the paperwork and stuff like that some of that stuff takes up to 12 18 months i wonder what the time frame in excuse me i wonder what the time frame is on those permit issues like when they go to issue the permits for distilleries like how long does it take how much money does it cost what do you have to provide what documents do you have to furnish do they do like a background check like i i'm really interested now in knowing what all is contained in, in in obtaining those permits especially for someone just starting out yeah and we've mentioned before if you're starting out a distillery you have to have a lot of money it's expensive especially if you haven't if you haven't been distilling anything yet you don't have any you don't have any, anything to sell you don't have any product to sell 
to be able to start earning money. So you have to have a lot of capital behind that to start out your distillery. And a lot of people, you know, source from MGP um, to be able to sell, you know, to, to gain some income, keep their business alive. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, they're distilling other products at the same time. Yep. Something that's cheaper that you can produce quickly and get it out and start having some of that revenue come in. Interesting. So on that note, I'll tease again for next week. (laughs) I might get some answers to some of those questions next week. (laughs) Yeah, super, uh, super excited for what's to come. We are 2021 is looking pretty damn good. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. That's right. All right, guys. That seems like a good place to wrap it up this week. Um, Yeah, absolutely. As always, drink responsibly, please. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink in boat. Don't drink in um, hoverboard, skateboard. <laughs> don't, don't drink in toast. So don't drink and ski either. R.I.P. Sunny Bono. Yep. R.I.P. R.I.P. Sunny Bono. But yeah, drink responsibly. Um, call a friend, call a cab, call an Uber. Uh, don't do anything stupid. Make good choices. All right, guys. We will see you next week. See y'all. Mm-hmm.